0: You're listening to the Ranch Church Podcast. For more information and service times, go to ranchchurch.com. I'm going to talk about this section, which is actually kind of the foundational elements of the Christian life, as we're going to get to it in just a moment. I'm calling this section Growth Habits and Growth Habits for 2024. So last week, We talked about change and changing 2024, and just by the nature of us being inside and outside, and I hope we're inside next week. Wouldn't that be great? That'll be great. I think we're right about there. Uh, So that recording didn't come out. I knew that ahead of time. That's fine. But we're talking about growing in 2024. In other words, what does God have for us together? We are gathered today as a family of God. And, and to us as a body, what does he uniquely have for us? And this is a year of wonderful, blessed growth. And so we are going to grow, and I give a prophetic word related to that. Uh, that was related to uh, this dream and a vision, if you will, of a, of kind of like an old 1940s sort of a machine, kind of like a cash register. You pull on the arm, and this word came up, grow. Grow beautiful, and then grow wonderful, and then grow stronger, and grow closer to him. So we are going to grow this way. We're going to grow beautiful. Beautiful. And we're going to grow wonderful. And we're going to grow stronger. We're going to grow closer to him. And so this is actually the direction of where we're going. So now in this section, Paul is going to outline with his life. He's really modeling with his life. As much as he's teaching anything, he's going to model with his life what it means to grow and have growth habits. So, by way of understanding what how this works and how this works in the Christian life, even even. So, understand how how do how do we tear down a dam? Like how do we tear down a dam physically? And so, throughout our country, there's a number of uh, ecosystems that are being restored. And so, if you will, it'll preach. And so, we tear we're tearing down dams. And dams are a natural ecosystem that was there, was dammed up. The ecosystem had dramatic change. And so this one that I saw, very recent, happened just two weeks ago. It was so fascinating. This was a, a, a three-part dam, like higher, mid, and lower. So they're doing the lower dam. So this, this is like real amazing physical infrastructure where they built up this gigantic berm, looked like a mountain. And so they took what looked like the smallest screwdriver and, uh, I don't know, made this little screwdriver like a mile long. And somehow they went through the base of that berm that they built up, been there for about 100 years, and they just kind of shoved it all the way through to the base, all the way to the other side. And then they took it out. And then water began to kind of trickle in and trickle down and trickle down. And over the next few weeks, that entire dam that was was holding back things that needed to flow, things that needed to restore, that entire dam collapsed and got out of the way, and now the river flows. And so as we think about 2024 and growing, there are areas in your life where you're dammed up that are blocking God, that are actually blocking the blessing and power of the Holy Spirit, that are blocking some of the greatest moments of your life. And so God is calling you into this growth area where those dams will be torn down and the water will flow and the Spirit will flow. Lastly, again, by way of lengthy introduction. Last week I had a long introduction. It's purposeful this week as well. Some time ago, I was at a wonderful social talking to an incredible, incredible young man who was so talented, and I just uh, really enjoyed this guy. And we were talking about Christ, talking about exactly what I just mentioned you, growing, tearing down dams transformation, coming close to God, all those beautiful words. And in effect, what he was able to tell me was like, yeah, pastor, I get it. You know, but I'll, you know, I'll get to that later. I'll get to that later. And so, so I said to them, I said, well, so, so right now you're saying that you, you have all these money and resources and that kind of thing. He goes, yeah. I go, then what? What do you mean? Okay, well, then what's going to happen to your life? All right, great. You have this professional career. You have these beautiful things. Then what? He goes, well, I'm still not married, so I suppose I hope to get married. You know, I put off getting married until I had all of my finances in order. Now, am I, So now, now. okay, great. Then you get married. Everybody say, then what? And then what? Say to him, then what? He goes, well, then I suppose we would have kids. Everybody say, then what? Then what? I go, okay, then you have kids. All right, that's great, that's great. You know where I'm going, right? Say it again. Okay, he goes, well, then okay, then I'm gonna get older, but I'm gonna have enough money, I'm gonna tap out, I'm gonna retire early. I'm gonna retire early, I'm gonna travel the world. I go, there. Okay, great, then you've traveled the world. Okay, then you've lived your life. Well, I guess there's some day that I would tie, tap out of here. So I said to him, I said, my brother, can I, can I just be a pastor for a moment? Can I help you out for just 30 seconds? You know, I hope we're friends. I really like you. Can I just help you out? Do not face the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ without the blood of Christ being a play applied to your life when you tap out of this lifetime. Yes. Don't do that. And also don't do the next thing. Because he said, "I don't. I think I understand that. I think you're telling me, don't face God on my terms." I go, "Yes, they're very smart. Yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about." And don't live in this lifetime without Jesus Christ either. Growing habits are reflected here in Paul. First, growing habit. Remember last week I asked you. Thank you guys. A lot of you guys bringing your Bibles now and taking notes. So growing habits, this is the sort of application I'll get into the text. You want to grow, you want to change, you want all the things we're talking about, growing habits. First growing habit is honor him. That's the first growing habit, honor him. Honor God, honor him daily. So here's a phrase that I want you to understand. This is where I'm asking your permission to let me preach truth to you, church. I'm asking you to give me permission to make you very uncomfortable. Don't treat God like you treat everybody else. Amen? Amen. I get it. Something bothers you and you blow somebody off. Uh, some, something happens, whatever the case is, but you treat other people, even sometimes your loved ones, as secondary in life. You have no option and freedom to do that with God. So honor him. Don't treat him like everybody else. If you understand what I'm doing right now, sort of to be more transparent, it's that that God has grabbed a hold of your pastor, and I I, I have this calling to re-disciple the church, to re-teach you how to worship, to re-teach you what to do. And I'm not going to quit. All right. I'm not going to like lay down on that, re the church. I can remember in the earliest days of our church, we had a couple different locations, and we we finally got into one, and, and so long story short, uh, we were going to practice doing a second set. A second set is just, you know, we had worship on the front side, I preach, and then we're now we're going to have more music on the back side, and one is longer than the other. So we just, by terminology, call that a second set. And so we're going to do a second set. And so I prayed. Some people gave their life to the Lord. And then everybody got up. You know what? I'm not done. I'm not done yet at church. Everyone's folding if they had a Bible or their chair. And they're leaving. And this whole group of people are leaving church. And I'm looking at that. And the Lord grabbed me. And he said, be bold. Be bold and do it. I'm like, oh, man, no one's going to come back to church after this. And so I literally walked over here. whole church is leaving. And I said, hey. And I just yelled and I screamed and people stopped. I go, We're not done. Get back and sit down. God's not done with it. And your lunch is gonna wait. You know, what I mean it kind of went like a kind of like a crazy guy, you know. And everybody sort of, you know, came <laughs> you know, came back, you know, like the principal told them they were in trouble or something. But that's just trying to create a new church culture and a culture. Because culture creates those habits that create that godliness, that give way to that blessing. And so trying to create that culture. And so when I say honor him, I am telling you to not leave church until God tells you you're done. That's what I'm talking about. As a way of honoring him. And so we get here early we sit we we don't pay attention at church like we do to a football game or to many other things we we are giving god our undivided attention because he demands it and he's worthy of it and because we also are hoping of course that he would give us some attention (laughs) we're hoping that he would hear our prayers the deepest desires of our hearts and fill our souls. And so we come as a practice to church to give God our undivided attention. So we lay down our digital devices, we lay down distractions, and we dig in to honor him. Church, I'm laboring like this. I'm not going to stop, and it's for your benefit. Secondly, quickly, in terms of growing habits, we double down on discipleship The word discipleship means to be enslaved. And so we're enslaved to Jesus Christ. We are not enslaved to American culture. Uh, We reject American culture, actually. It's it's not going the way of Jesus Christ. Our job is to actually help transform him, double down on discipleship. And we engage daily in liberty. And so here's a practice that I want my church to practice this week. If, If nothing else, just do this and just come before God and i usually walk outside my house cuz it's so beautiful even like this and i'll lift my hands unto god and i will declare that i am liberated in jesus christ from evil sin and death i'll just declare that out loud and you should do that you should have a daily practice of declaring things so we honor him we double down to discipleship we have we purpo- our purpose is to declare the happiness of jesus christ so these are our growing habits and and I think I'm gonna just get it right into the text. So in Philippians chapter one, Philippians chapter one, you're gonna see Apostle Paul practice these things. Verse 18, by way of repetition, what then? He's in prison. And life is, has been hard for him. But he's seeing incredible power. So he says, only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed in him that I rejoice. Now it's the same concept and he's gonna be redundant with it. He says, Yes, I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. So part of what the Apostle Paul practiced is he actually practiced the habit of rejoicing. Now this this probably may be odd for you because one of the things that's so fascinating about people is that they think they know how to be happy. Generally speaking, nobody knows how to be happy. We have moments, but we really don't. We're all a bunch of fakers. (laughs) Nobody wants to admit it. Jesus Christ is the one who's going to show you, guide you, and instruct you how to be happy. The Apostle Paul is going to model the supernatural power of God which is available to you. Earlier in his story, Paul's in prison. He's in prison here when he's writing Philippians, but he's in a different prison. It's actually related to the Philippian people proper. And so he's in prison, and he's in prison wrong. He's actually been physically beat up for this. And so he actually begins at midnight to praise the Lord. And he's just praising the Lord. He's just praising God. Which just speaking words out loud. which just singing words out loud. We're just declaring truths out loud. And he's not going to let this negativity, this violence against him, this evil. He is not going to let it prosper against him because he knows God's going to do it. And he does. And so all of a sudden, there's an earthquake, and there's supernatural power, and he's free, and the jailer gets saved, and people get saved, and actually the local magistrates have to come and apologize to him. So Paul's spiritual habits, his apostolic habits, his spiritual secret, is that he practiced rejoicing. And nobody godly practices rejoicing. You know, it's it's not like we're... It's not like we're denying pain. You know, are you depressed perhaps? Okay, well, we understand that you're depressed. Might be some very logical things in your life, very biological things in your life. We understand that. Rejoice. Come into a church setting and in your personal life by way of a daily habit and actually rejoice. Even if the beginning of that is saying, I don't like my circumstances, I will actually rejoice in the Lord right now. That is a practice, that is a habit that will release tremendous spiritual power. Second habit that we see with Paul here in verse 18 and 19 is that he's talking about deliverance. And so, Paul's in prison here and people are getting saved. That's the context and he's actually in Rome. And the word deliverance is so interesting because the word deliverance is related to being delivered from, one dictionary said, a molestation of your enemies. Ever felt like your enemies were messing with you? That's exactly what that's saying. Another dictionary says that deliverance is to be brought into safety. And so you practice confidence through deliverance. And Paul had this here. He actually has us here in full measure. And so one way to understand this that has actually been even helpful for myself has been the martial arts training that I'm in. And so the martial arts training that I'm in, it's actually training you to to practice. We call these forms, uh, and we're sort of in a circle, if you will, and you're going to practice defending yourself against eight points of attack. So what happens with these forms as you go on, is that somebody might come in front of you and then you have a defense move. I'm not going to do it for you. But you have a defense move and a posture and a certain kind of block, but then you're taught all of a sudden to pivot right behind you and do that same one behind you. Why? Because somebody came and attacked me in the front, and then I pivoted and I took care of the guy in the back. Now there's somebody coming over here, and I've simply pivoted, and now I'm defending over here. But now that guy's not done. So I have to do a bunch of moves, and I have to get him on the ground, and then I turn around and defend myself here. Why? Because I'm not done. Somebody else comes in front. You practice these multiple eight forms of attack because the attack is not done. Church, can you receive that? I watch my church sometimes fall down way too much because the attack is not done. And they go, Pastor, what happened? And it's like pivot again and put your defense up and wear the armor of Christ and strike back and take that one down so he doesn't bother you anymore and stomp on him in Christ, like spiritually. Oh, the attack's not done, then pivot and defend and go in advance and practice practice deliverance and develop that confidence. This was not Paul's first rodeo of difficulty. He had been through many, many of those. So now life is hard for him. And he says, you know what, I rejoice. And in that I will rejoice. Verse 19, as he goes, he says, for the help through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. The Spirit of Jesus Christ is just a phrase of the Holy Spirit, and I'll I'll clarify that more in just a moment. But Paul practiced rejoicing. He practiced confidence through deliverance. He also practiced guidance. And so you want to be guided. You You want the things that we spoke about at the beginning, the growing beautiful, the wonderful, the stronger, the closer to him. And so there's going to be this guidance that's going to come through the Word of God and the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So the Spirit of Jesus Christ is God through the Holy Spirit. If you want to study that, go ahead and just read John chapter 14, verse 17 in great length. Or more specifically, you can understand Acts chapter 16, verse 7, which has a very similar phraseology or Galatians chapter 4 verse 6 which has the same phraseology which means that when Paul was being led oftentimes by the power of the Holy Spirit this phrase called the Spirit of Christ was there. These are the things that Paul has done to have these habits, these apostolic habits which are also Christian habits by way we can experience great power now listen moving on verse 20. So, as it is, my eager expectation and hope, Paul will say, that I will not at all be ashamed, but with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Oh, I love this phrase. Now as always. The next practice that we can see from the Apostle Paul is that he practiced courage. So this is... This is new to a lot of people to practice courage. So how do you practice courage? Well, the only thing I can think to tell you in terms of a true spirituality is this word, quickly. Everybody say the word quickly. Quickly. Say quickly. You act on truth quickly. That's how you begin to practice courage. Most of us so often will hold on to truth way too long. God will be telling us, showing us, guiding us. We'll have this truth, and then we'll realize I didn't act upon it. Sometimes it's sort of simplistic. It might be just praying for somebody or sending a note. These things are something like that. And oftentimes they guide to more, they lead to things that are more serious. Paul practiced courage. When Paul got saved, this is a reference to Acts chapter 9, verse 5. You know what the Lord said to him? Acts 9. Chapter 9, verse 5, he said, who are you? Who are you, Lord? You've appeared to me. (laughs) He said, I'm the Lord Jesus, and you've been messing with my people. You've been persecuting my people, and I've now come to save and deliver you and transform you. Who are you, Lord? And he would say, I am Jesus. So the next phrase after that dialogue is really fascinating. This is about practicing courage. The next phrase that Jesus gives the Apostle Paul, He says, "Rise, rise. I mean, right now, get up, get up. My 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 power just knocked you down. I want you to get up right now, and I want you to go do the things I've told you to do. So rise, rise right now, church. You are to rise up right now and go do the things that Jesus Christ told you." Verse twenty-one. I want you all to memorize this. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. This is Paul's seminal philosophy and theology, if you will, in every single part of his writings. This verse has there's something there in everything he ever said, preached, or wrote about in all Scripture. For to me to live is Christ and die is gain. You would do well to memorize that. Verse 22. Now, this is Paul's logic, and he says, If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose, I cannot tell. In other words, if if I'm going to be alive, I am living for Jesus. If I'm going to be alive, I'm going to be on fire for God. If I'm going to be alive, I'm not going to be apathetic. I am going to actually be experiencing every single thing that God has for me, and I will be relentless until it happens. He goes on, though. Verse 23 says, But I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. That's called heaven. But to remain in the flesh is far more necessary on your account. In other words, you need me. That's why I'm here, because you actually need me. So you, in terms of Apostle Paul, he's saying you actually need an Apostle Paul to be able to guide and, and disciple and mentor the church. And I, I, can, I can feel that in myself. I don't know how long I have on this globe that spins around like that, but I will tell you that with my dying breath from me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'll tell you, with my own dying breath for my wife and I, we were devoted to Jesus Christ. We, there is no plan B, C, D, F. We're in with Jesus, and that is it. Because he's resurrected from the dead. He has liberated us from sin and death. And when we tap out of this lifetime, That will be the best day of my life. And Paul is saying that related to the Christian life. Remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. But convinced of this in verse 25, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Paul is using all of that language to affirm that he is going to finish strong in the Lord no matter what happens. Okay, church, one more moment. You guys are doing great. Jesus, when he's on the cross, he has a crown of thorns. If you know that phraseology, raise your hand crown of thorns yeah the way you get a crown of thorns is you take the bush and it's broken off of the thorns and thistles and the bramble and so it's broken and then it dries out as it's drying out you make it into what it's going to be made and then it's dried out it's dead and then it's then in this case of Christ it was put on his head many things to say about this crown of thorns he would take that death crown with him to the cross so that three days later he would be resurrected and and holding on his head divinely the true divine crown of God. You have a crown of thorns possibly around your life. It's probably around your heart. It's probably some sort of death or bramble or thorn or thistle of pain and disappointment that you hold on to because it feels most comfortable. You hold on to it because the devil wants to bind you on it. It's kind of what you know. And so you work your way through a lifetime like this, and then that's just what you're familiar with. And you, you hear these words of blessing. You hear these words of life, and it seems like, oh, maybe that's for somebody else, or yeah, 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 or maybe some other day. I'm here to tell you that day's now. Christ took the bramble, the thorns, the thistles, the death area of your life, every form of pain, every form of judgment, all forms of rejection to wipe it away so that you could come and receive truly a true divine acceptance before God because your greatest human need on planet earth is to be accepted before God. So I'm going to pray. I know what's going to happen. I'm going to pray. I'll let you guys go in a minute. Let's pray. The Lord Jesus, I pray now by your divine power, God, that you would come upon us with great power. Lord Jesus, there are many who absolutely need to know, need to know you, need to know you, and need to be transformed by you. And so I pray now, Jesus, that your blood would now break down the thorns and thistles around the heart and soul, that you'd grant them liberty and freedom in you. Thanks for listening to the Ranch Church Podcast. For more information and service times, go to ranchchurch.com.